Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Those of you watching online, good morning. I hope you're uh, in some comfortable pajamas with some hot chocolate. Uh, for those of you that are here, you could be in comfortable pajamas too. That'd be fine. And uh, we'll have the hot chocolate back next week, uh, so you'll be able to do that. Uh, but whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, I'm, I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, this next week, before we dive into part three of our, our series habits, this next week is a fun week for our church uh, it's a fun week because three years ago, this Thursday, we started City Walk Church. And so we're about to celebrate our third birthday. And so a couple things that we're doing this week that I wanted to make sure you knew about. On Thursday evening, which is actually the date of our birthday, the 27th, uh, we were thinking, man, what could we do just to maybe serve our community and just have, have a fun evening And so what we're doing is we're going to set up at Steelhouse Coffee at 7 o'clock. We're going to go on Facebook Live and we'll be doing some giveaways, inviting some people there. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to invite the whole city to come and we're going to buy their drinks from 7 to 8 o'clock. And so anybody that comes to Steelhouse during that time period, we're going to buy their drinks for them. We're going to also be doing some raffles, some giveaways. And so it's going to be a fun night. So invite somebody, even if you can only stop in for a couple minutes, stop in, get your free drink and uh, celebrate with us. And then next Sunday, uh, we'll kind of culminate our birthday weekend and we've got some fun things planned. And so make sure you're back. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. If you if you've been around me, um, speaking of exciting, uh, if you if you are a 49er fan, are you feeling all right this morning? You yeah you are. You know that you know that next week, and I, I really hope next week is a very tense week at our church, because the Bucks could play the 49ers next week, and so you know there, there's going to be a little tension next week, but. If you know me, you know, uh, and even if we don't know each other well, if you follow me on social media, uh, you, you could see some of the things, including sports, that I'm, I'm passionate about or excited about. And probably if I were to, to look at your social media, uh, I would see, hey, these are some things that, man, you're passionate about. And, and if you were to look at, at my Instagram, Facebook, uh, if you were to kind of follow along a little bit, you'd see I, I'm passionate about my family. So I you know, make my kids take pictures with me, course them into pictures, and I put them up there, my wife and I. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about you guys. So it's my social media is basically an advertisement for CityWalk Church a lot of the time, because I'm constantly putting stuff up about our church and, and what I'm excited about. But also, I'm pretty excited and passionate about Florida sports. So I grew up in Florida. Lori, my wife, grew up in Marysville. And so uh, over my whole life, I've always been excited about the Florida Gators, which hasn't went well the last few years in football. 
Uh, I've been excited about the rays, the lightning, and then lately the thing that's been most exciting for Florida people is, man, the Buccaneers. And you guys know last year uh, the Bucks won the Super Bowl, and, and they, along with the 49ers and a few other teams, are in the mix to get to this year's Super Bowl and, and hopefully play and, and hopefully win. But if you follow along with sports, and for some of you, you just like turn me off for like the first three minutes during this time of year because you're like, he's going to say something about sports, and I could care less, so I'll, I'll turn it back on when he starts talking about the Bible. But if you, if you follow along with sports, you know this, and this is why I'm extremely nervous this time of year, is it is really, really difficult for a team to win the championship two years in a row. Uh, it just doesn't happen often, whether it's baseball, basketball, whether it's football, there's, there's very few teams that over the history of those games ha have won back-to-back -back years. There's a few that have done it. There's a few that have done it more than once, but man, there's very few that could do that on a regular basis. And one of the reasons that it's extremely hard, and I know we have some athletes even in the room now, we have some coaches in the room, and so you understand this. But one of the reasons it's really hard to win back-to-back -back championships is because usually after a team wins a championship, for, for whatever reason, the intensity, the, the drive, the, the hard work that man went into winning that first one just seems to tail off a little bit, and it's just a little harder to be that intense and that focused. And so usually what happens is you know, after a, a team wins, they begin to get distracted a little bit. There might be some money if it's pro sports. There might be accolades or maybe an injury or two. But there's some distractions that usually leads, those distractions lead to just small compromises. Just, hey, we didn't work just quite as hard. We didn't put in just as much time. We, we weren't as unified as we were last year. And there's, there's small compromises. And then it just ends up being not as good of a year. And you see that. You see that in sports all the time. It's just, man, this is great team, and it looks like, man, they should be really good this year. And they end up being okay, but it's just not as good as last year. And in sports, you know, that's bad if you're a sports fan, especially if it's maybe your favorite team. But it's a lot worse when that happens in life. And here's what I mean. It's really tough in life when, man, you, you, you started off well. You, you started off really well with your finances. You, you started off really well with your health and with your relationships. You, you started off well and early on in your life and marriage. And, man, when you were younger, you, you, things seemed to go well and you, you got onto what you thought was the right track. But then what happened is you for whatever reason, 5, 10, 15 years go by, and, and it's just, just something happens. And it, you, you end up in a place where it's like, how did we end up here? And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't one decision. It was several small decisions that over 5, 10, or 15 years has you looking up, and you, it has you saying, you know what? I, I never meant to be addicted. This was never in the plan. I never meant to blow up my first marriage. That wasn't part of the plan when we walked down that aisle. I never meant to be in a place where I'm stressed out about money and, and paycheck to paycheck. That was never part of the plan. 
I, I never meant to have all these medical issues and health issues. That, when, when I started things off, I, just, I had a different plan and I had a different direction. How did this happen? And we've all experienced that. And, and you could fill in the blank maybe with something else. Like, hey, I never meant for... And you could fill in the blank. Because we've all been there. But somehow what happened was it's something started and we got a little bit distracted. It started with distraction. And then that led to compromise. And then it led to loss. And we, we didn't maybe even know it was happening, but we, we started off in the right direction. We started off going uh, in the right direction financially, relationally, or, or in different areas of our life. But then something happened and we got a little bit distracted. And then it led to some compromises, really small ones. In fact, we, we may not even have known we were making them. They were so little. They seemed so minuscule at the time. But now we look back and we see that, man, we've lost some things. There's some things that aren't right because we've gone through this process. And no matter where you are as it relates to faith, no matter if you're watching online or you're here this morning, every single one of us, whether you're 18 or whether you're 70, you felt this in some area of your life where, man, you, you look up one day and you think, man, how did I end up here? And then if you were to kind of look back at your steps, you realize, hey, there was a moment where I started to get a little distracted and it led to some small, what seemed really little compromises, some bad habits. And then I look up now and there's loss. And if you've ever felt that way, and I hope you'd be honest enough to say, yeah, I've had some of those things in my life. If you've ever felt that way, then, then you're in good company because there's honestly several people in the scriptures that kind of went down the same track. But one guy I want to talk about this morning, he, he went down this track and man, things did not end well for him. His name was Samson. And Samson was a guy that he was like the superhero of his nation. When he was born, and you'll see today as we look at his life, man, he, was, he had such potential. He had such favor from God. He was going in the right direction. God had a plan for him. But because of distraction that led to compromise and ended up leading to loss, his story isn't probably what it could have been. And I want to start in Judges chapter 16, and it'll be up on the screen. I want to start with the very end of his story and then work backwards. I want you to see how the story ended for this guy by the name of Samson. If you have your Bible, or it'll be on the screen, or you can look in the app. It says this in Judges chapter 16, it says, the Philistines. So the Philistines were basically the arch enemy, biggest rival, biggest threat to Israel. And that for, for years. It says the Philistines seized him. Talking about Samson. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he was forced to grind grain in the prison. So we're at the end of Samson's story, and if you, you didn't grow up in church, you'll, well, you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about Samson today, but, but the end of his story is the Philistines seize him, they capture him, they gouge out his eyes, which sounds really, really fun, 
And then what basically they do is they treat him like an animal. They have him grind grain as they would an animal. And he's about 40 miles from where his, his birthplace was, so he's not terribly far from home. And so this is where Samson, this superhero of Israel, this is where the beginning of the end is for him. And not long after they seize him, and now he's just literally working, doing what an animal would do. He has, his eyes are gouged out. He's totally humiliated. Not long after that, the Philistines gathered to sacrifice, to kind of have a party to celebrate their god, Dagon. And so they thought, you know what, while we're at this party, and there was many, many of them in this party, I'm talking hundreds, maybe thousands of people, they said, you know what, we need some entertainment. And so I, isn't Samson down there, he's kind of grinding grain, let's, let's go get Samson. I mean, what is better entertainment than, man, poking fun at the guy that was your arch rival? So, hey, let's bring him down here. Let's poke fun at him. Let's make fun of him. And, man, let's make that part of the entertainment. So that's what they do. And in the midst of their laughter, Samson, he cries out to God one last time. And he says, God, if you will just give me my strength back. He was an extremely strong man, you'll see. That was one of the gifts God had given him. He said, God, if you'll just give me my strength back one more time. And God gave him his strength back. And there in the midst of all these people in this huge building, he got up next to the, the pillars that were holding the building up. And, it, and the scripture says this. Samson said, he's talking to God, let me die with the Philistines. Basically, I'm about to take my own life. And it says he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the leaders and all the people in it. And those he killed at his death were more than those he had killed in his life. Then his brothers and his father's whole family came down and carried him back and buried him. Samson was, was called to lead and protect the people of Israel. That's what he had been called to. He had been gifted with supernatural strength and he had been gifted with God's favor Yet when you look at the very end of his story, you see he is humiliated. He is defeated. He's a hurting man that in his final act, he does take out some of his enemies, but he also takes his own life in his final act. And as you look at his story and as you see the end of it, you think maybe to yourself, where, where do things go off the tracks for Samson? How did someone with such gifting, with such purpose, with such potential come up against this tragic ending? And just like when it happens in our own life, it didn't happen all at once. It never does, whether you're looking at a character in the Bible, whether you're looking at a celebrity that's made a train wreck of their life, or whether you're looking at your own life, it never happens all at once. But it takes small steps, small distractions that lead to compromise and then that end up leading to loss. And we see that as we look back at the beginning of Samson's life. See, the story of Samson, it starts a few chapters earlier. It starts in chapter 13, and, and you can see it up on the screen. It says this. It says, the Israelites again did what, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. So the nation of Israel, this is right before Samson is born, is under the thumb of their enemy for 40 years. 
They need a deliverer. They need somebody that's going to come and lead the way to, to save and be the savior of their country. And so it says this. It says, there was a certain man from Zorah, from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. Verse 3 says this, The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are unable to conceive and have no children, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son. And then the angel tells her some very specific instructions about the son. The angel says this, Now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean. For indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair. Going to save a little money right there. Never giving this kid a haircut. Never cut his hair. Because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. So ma'am, your your son is going to be a a very important son. He's going to be a very important person in the nation of Israel. He's going to begin to to really rescue the nation from their their enemy, the Philistines. But ma'am, your son is going to be a Nazarite. That means he is going to be set apart uniquely to God. And because he's set apart, there's a few things that someone who is set apart as a Nazarite in this culture, a few things that need to be true. First, he he doesn't ever get a haircut. So don't ever cut his hair. Samson was to never drink alcohol. That was part of him being set apart. And then he was never to touch a dead body. So, I mean, you you hear those, they're like, those are kind of unique. But, but as a Nazarite, somebody who is set apart and takes this Nazarite vow, these are things that for their whole life, they make this commitment. So, so Samson was going to be set apart to God. He was going to be different from everybody else. And, and, and it says this in verse 24, so the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Prior to Samson's birth and early on in his life, God clearly answered some of the biggest questions we face and some questions that we've talked about over this last few weeks in this series. God made really clear to Samson the answer to the question, who am I? We've talked about that question over the past few weeks. God made very clear to him who he was going to be. God told him, man, here's who you are. Here's what you're going to be, and here's why you're going to be that. He he made very clear. So Samson never had to worry about his identity. God gave him a clear identity, which was meant to lead him to have an extraordinary impact. Those three questions, those questions that we've talked about, that question, who am I? Identity. Who am I going to be? And why? Why? For Samson, God answered those questions even before he was born. This is who you are to be. This is why you are to be that. And the identity that God gave him should have led him to do some things and to to, to live a certain way to really make the most of what God had called him to do. But that's not what happened. See, Samson... While he did do some good things in his life, much of the work he was called to do was left undone. 
Why? It started with distraction that led to compromise and ended up leading to loss. We see this beginning in chapter 14. Samson's kind of grown up now, so you, he, mom and dad have him, and, and early on you can see that, man, God's given him a call on his life. He's given him identity. He's, he's empowering him, and now it's chapter 14. He's a, is a man now, and, and he's beginning to live and to do what God's called him to do, but he begins to get distracted. It says this in, in chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and his mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. I mean, he sounds like a caveman. Like, uh, there's a girl. Go get her for me. He he saw this girl that was a Philistine. He's he's from Israel. Not really supposed to hang out with the Philistine girls, but Samson, he didn't really care. He went down there, saw this girl, had said, hey, dad, go get her. I, I want that girl. And his mom and dad tried to discourage him, but man, he is like the strongest man that's ever lived. So after a little while, you're like, okay, buddy, we'll go get her for you. And so they did. They, on a trip down to Timnah with his parents, he, Samson goes down and, and maybe it's like meet the parents day. I don't know how it all worked back then, but Samson goes down with his parents to Timnah and meets up with this girl. And then the scriptures say this, that some, somewhere in that mix, Samson was alone. And while he was alone, while maybe the parents were meeting other parents, this lion comes up and tries to kill him. Just random. Hey, I'm, I'm hanging out with the family, and I, maybe he had to go use the restroom or something. He, he left the party, and he's all out there by himself, and a lion comes and tries to kill him. And so Samson, being the strongest guy that ever lived, the scripture says that he basically just took care of that that lion real quick with his bare hands. But then he didn't tell anybody. I mean, think about it. If you dreamt about killing a lion with your bare hands, you would tell everybody. Like, you, I would tell, if, if I dreamt about that, I'd be proud of my dream. I would tell you. If I killed a lion, man, if I killed a squirrel with my bare hands, I'd be using it as a sermon illustration next week. I'd want you to know about it. Samson, I mean, this is, I guess, normal for him. He kills this lion with his bare hands and doesn't tell anybody. And then a few weeks later, they're, they're, they're moving along in the relationship. And so the family's coming back down to Timnah. And, and he's about to get married. And so, man, things are moving along. And, and something happens in Samson's life. And he begins to compromise on a very, what to him was probably very small. But he began to compromise. It says this in verse 8. After some time, so it's been a little bit, when he returned to marry her, he left the road to see the lion's carcass, and there was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. So Samson is back down there. He's like, oh yeah, that's where that, let me go check. Let me see if that lion's still there. He goes, he he looks, and man, he finds, there it is, there it is. And and man, now it's got honey in it. There's bees in it. This is kind of cool looking. But dude, you're not supposed to touch dead animals, like no, no dead bodies. So, so of course, Samson, you need to walk away, but, but not Samson. It says verse 9, he scooped some honey into his hands and he ate it as he went along. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had scooped the honey from the lion's carcass. Like he, he knew, hey, mom and dad, taste some of this honey. Where'd you get it? Uh, 
There's a little stand, a little, little, little market on the side of the road. I picked someone. Like, he, he wouldn't tell him. He knew he wasn't supposed to do this. So, so he didn't tell him. He gave him some of the honey. And, and, and here's what happened. He, he knew he had done something wrong, but in his mind, it was a very, very small compromise. He was just starting to walk through that process of distraction that led to compromise that would eventually lead to loss. But, but you know this just like I do. The first time we compromise, usually the loss is little to nothing. So man, he's scooping up some honey, enjoying it. Nothing happened. Yeah, I know I wasn't supposed to touch the dead body, and, but, but nothing happened. Life was good, man. And that's what happens with us. We, man, we, we start down the road and we were going, doing things well. And then, then what happens is we, we find out that, you know what? Well, I, I did it once or I, I moved off the road a little bit once and I compromised once or I started a small bad habit and it doesn't seem to really be affecting me that bad. And that's what happened with Samson. And if you continue through the story, you're going to see that this is a pattern that played out in Samson's life for the rest of his life. Until he comes to a final compromise with a lady that even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of her name probably. Her name's Delilah. See, some time passed from the lion and the, the wedding. In fact, he ends up not marrying this girl and, and she actually doesn't live. And the lion, it's, it's been a long time. Time has passed. And the Philistines are still hating Samson. He's just been a punk to them. And so a lot of time has passed. A lot of compromises happened, seemingly small to Samson. And he, he comes towards the end of his life. He doesn't know it's the end of his life. And, and the Philistines hate his guts. They've been trying for years to stop him. And so here's what they do. They hire the girl that he's kind of hanging out with named Delilah. They, they, they give her some money and they say, hey, we've got to figure out why this guy is so strong. And so they, they hire her and they're like, man, we have tried for, for years to, to find this out. We've tried for years to stop this guy. I mean, he, is, he has caused us a lot of issues. He's killed a lot of our, our people, our soldiers. We've got to figure this out. And so they say, hey, Delilah, you seem to, he, he likes you. So, man, if, if you can just... Just somehow work your magic and find out what this strength, where it's coming from, man. We will make it worth your while. And so, so Delilah, man, she does what Delilah does. And she smoothes him. And I don't know what she did, but she, she gets up next to him. Hey, baby, man, why are you so, where's all that strength come from? And he lies to her. He, he lies to her a bunch of times, makes her feel like an idiot, but then after a little while, after two or three lies, after her continuing to kind of nag him and, hey, come on, you're, you're making me feel stupid. Why aren't you telling me where your strength is from? Don't you trust me? You see what happens. He ends up telling her where his strength comes from. And it says this in verse 18 of Judges chapter 16. It says, when Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leader. So she, for whatever reason, after, after he told her, hey, the strength is in my hair. If you cut my hair, then this thing's over. She, she realized, well, I think he's told me the truth this time. 
She, she, she reaches out to the Philistines and says, hey, come, come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the silver with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap and called a man to shave off the seven braids of his head. In this way, she made him helpless and his strength left him. I mean, here, here's, here's what I was thinking when I was reading this. Are you going to stay asleep if somebody's shaving your head? Like, I don't know what, what, what she put in the milk, but this dude is passed out. He, he's passed out, probably laying on her lap or next to her, maybe on the couch or something. And, and he is out cold. Maybe he has supernatural sleep or he gets supernatural sleep just like he had supernatural strength. I don't know. So he's out cold. And she calls up the Philistines. Hey, he, he's told me the, the truth this time. So they come and they bring the, the barber and he starts shaving his head and the dude doesn't wake up. And, and, and then it says this. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. See, to this point, his small compromises hadn't affected him. So why would it affect him on this one? Man, he had compromised for years and always been able to still defeat the Philistines. It always ended up working out for him. He never got hurt or lost too much. And so why not this one? To this point, no compromise had affected him that much. And so he got up and man, he was ready to do what he had always done to take the Philistines out. But something was different this time. And it says this in one of the saddest, I think one of the saddest phrases in the whole Bible. It says this, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He gets up ready to tear up the Philistines and he didn't even realize that he no longer had the Lord with him. And then it says this in verse 21, it's a verse we've already looked at. The Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he was forced to grind grain in prison, just like an animal. Samson, what happened? Like, dude, you, at the beginning of your life, you had such purpose. You had, I mean, God's favor. You had supernatural strength, man. You had everything going for you. God had given you a clear identity and purpose. He gave you a road to walk on, but something happened. And it goes back to our process. It started with distraction. He started to get distracted. Small distractions that led to small compromises that led to loss. What do I mean? Distraction. He forgot his identity. Man, he, he forgot what his identity was. I, I know for, for many of us, one of the biggest reasons that we move down roads that we shouldn't move down and we look up you know, 10, 15 years later and think, what happened? Is we forgot our identity. We, we forgot what God says about us. We, we forgot who we are in Christ. We forget who we really are. We get distracted. And then like Samson, it leads to compromise. For Samson, it was 
just small bad habits that began to form, just small, seemingly not, not going to affect anybody, just little things that start to crop up in my life that don't seem that big of a deal. And even the first three, four, five, ten times we compromise doesn't seem to be a big loss. But then like Samson found out, it leads to loss. For Samson, it was relationships that he lost. It was freedom. It was opportunities. It was his eyes. And for him, the list goes on of all the things he lost because of distraction that led to compromise that led to loss. And before we're too hard on, on Samson, I mean, we, we can look back at Samson and be like, dude, you are an idiot. Didn't you see this one coming with Delilah? Come on. But before we're too hard on him, just like we said on the front end of this message, man, a lot of times we, we've seen this play out in our lives in a similar way. Maybe not as devastating as it was to Samson, but we've seen this same process play out in our own life. We, we've, we, we, we didn't start down a road, but, but some small things happened. We got distracted. It led us to start to make small compromises. And then, then we found ourselves addicted. We found ourselves just physically just in, in trouble physically. We found ourselves financially in mess. We found relationships blown up. We found habits that seemed so small that became huge addictions in our life. And we never meant it to go that far. And, and we know that, man, it just it didn't happen overnight. It, it, I mean, it, Sam, our Satan, his strategy has never been... I mean, if you look back at your life and if you look back at the lives of people in Scripture, he, he usually never like knocks you out on the first punch because that'd be too obvious. He just gives us little steps of compromise that to us seem like no big deal. Just small bad habits. Just not walking in the purpose God had for me, just in small ways. And then over time, we look up and we say, man, what, what happened? It, we, we begin to get distracted. It led to some bad habits. And even in those bad habits, we, we said things like this. It's not that big of a deal. We've said that. Or, oh, I can get this thing changed. Or, oh, I'll, I'll adjust here. Like, I can fill in the blank with some things I've told myself. But over time, what happens is those small compromises that were no big deal, and we can change this at any time, man, led to habits that brought about loss. So what do we do? Like, like what do we do? What do we, we're, we're not, not in Samson's situation, thank God. But what do we do? Do we just throw in the towel and believe the lie that it's always going to be this way, that nothing's ever really going to change? Is, is that what we have to believe? And if that's not it, then where do we even start? Where do I start? And we start by answering the most important questions. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. We have to start by answering the big who questions. And here's what I mean. You need to answer just like I need to answer. If we're going to see lasting change, significant generational change, it starts with us answering that question, who am I? Not, not, not who, was, who were you in your past? Not who do other people say that you are? No. Who does God say that you are? What is your identity in Christ? If you're watching online, what does God say about you? 
And then there's that second question that that we have to be able to answer. If we're going to see lasting change and we're not going to go down this, this process of distraction and compromise, that second question is, who do I want to be? I remember there uh, a few years ago, I had a, a coach, not an athletic coach, but a, a guy that was coaching me as we were, you know, planting our church, and, and he, he asked me to do something that felt really uncomfortable, and I kind of had, I, I had put this off for a little while, and basically he said, he, he walked me through a process of life planning. He said, I want to help you put together a life plan, which I thought, man, that's a great idea. I'd love to put together a life plan and, and some goals. And, and I, I, I wanted to go to the what's right away. Like, hey, what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish and get some goals out there? That sounded great to me. But he said, you can't start with that. He said, here's where I want you to start. He said, I want you to pretend you're at your own funeral. I was like, What? I don't, like, I don't like the sound of this. He said, I want you to start at your own funeral. And I want you to think about the people that are important to you in your life. And I want you to imagine what you want them to say that day about you. He said, I want you to think about who do you want to be when this thing's over. And so it took me a little while, because again, it's super awkward. You're like, ah, I don't, it's kind of morbid to think about this. But, but I, I went ahead and I started to do that. And I thought through my wife, like, what do I want my wife? Who do I want to be? Who, does, who do I want my wife to say I am when I'm gone? And, and I walked through each of my kids. I walked through my church. Like, what do I want my church to say? What is my people that don't know Jesus? Like, what do I want them to say? And, and I, for, I'm just going to give you an example for my son, Austin. This is what I wrote for my son, Austin, as I tried to answer the question, who do I want to be? I wrote this, my dad is my best friend. From my earliest memories, my dad has always been an example to me of what a faithful Jesus follower looks like. No matter what I was going through in life, I always knew my dad loved and believed in me. My dad leaves behind a legacy of faithfulness that I desire to follow in. My dad is my hero, and I will miss him every day until I see him again. Have you answered the question, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Who am I? What does God say? And then who do I want to be? And then that last question that, get, that really gets at our motivation is, is why? It's why we have to start by answering those questions. And, and once we, we know our identity, it will bring clarity to areas of our life that we've compromised in, that we have crept in. If you don't know your identity, if you don't know what you want to be in your life, it's going to be hard for you or me to, to see compromises that we've let in our life that will pull us off that track. But when we understand our identity, it makes very clear where those compromises are that are pulling us off our track. And so when, when we know who we are based on who we want to be, we ask ourselves this question. What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to stop doing? Based on who I want to be as a father, as a son, as a follower of Jesus, as a husband, based on who I want to be, what do I need to stop doing? Let's make it even more personal. And I want you to fill in, fill in this blank yourself, not out loud. Fill in this blank. 
If I stopped blank, it would help me become who I believe God wants me to be. Based on who, who I think God wants me to be, based on what, how I want people to see me at the end of this thing, if I was to look at my life right now, is there an, at least one area of my life that I would say, if I stopped blank, it would help me become who I believe God wants me to be? Start with one. Maybe, it, maybe it's a habit that you've had for decades, or maybe it's something that you have just begun to see to creep into your life. And if you're, if you're honest, and if you're not honest, you won't make any progress anyway. But, but if, if I can be honest with myself, and you can be honest with yourself, and we can answer that question, if I stopped this, it would help me become who God wants me to be. And as God pinpoints, for some of you, you know right now, God pinpointed something. Maybe you're watching online, you're listening to a podcast, and, and, and right away you're like, man, yes, I know the one thing. That if I was to stop this right now, it would help me become what God wanted me to be. And as you think about that, as you think about that one area, let me, let me leave you with a few, few thoughts that I think will help. The, the first one is this. Be honest. And here's what I mean. Be honest about where you struggle. But be honest about your struggle. Be honest about how big a deal it is. I think sometimes this is an area that, man, we, 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 we don't ever get honest with ourselves. We pretend like, yeah, this, man, I eat when I'm stressed out, or I, I get this, hap- I start to go down this road of addiction when this happens, or, you know, I, I'm starting to just flirt a little bit with somebody at work, even though I'm married, and, and we pretend like it's not that big of a deal. We, we have to be honest. Be honest. Yeah, this is where I struggle, and this is a big deal. Yeah, it seems small now, but it could lead to something really bad. Be honest. There's a verse in Scripture, James 4, 6, and it says this. He gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, the honest, the people that say, yeah, I struggle. Be honest. Second thing, make it hard to fall. As you think about that one area that, man, if, I was to, if this was to change or this area was to stop in my life, I could better be what God wants me to be. I could better be a husband. I could better be a father that God wants me to be. Make it hard to fail. See, if you're, strong, if you're trying to stop eating bad so you can be more healthy, don't do your devotions at Dunkin' Donuts. Like, yeah, duh. Like if that's an area where you say, hey, if I, if I could just get more physically healthy, I, I would be able to do what God wants me to do. I could be a better dad. I could be a better husband. I could you know, do more of what God wants me to do. Then, man, make it hard for yourself to fail. A friend of mine, he said this to me once. He said, it's hard to fall into a hole if you don't walk by it. Like for some of us, man, we've been like, that hole is dangerous. Man, that, that hole has caused me a lot of issues in my life. But yet we walk by it all the time. And if we, if we don't want to fall in the hole, then let's not walk by it. Let's make it really hard on ourselves to, to fail. Romans says it this way, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That means, man, don't make it easy on yourself to fail. But then the last thing, as you think about what's that one area of your life, the last thing is this, lock arms with others. 
Our, our mission statement here at City Walk is we want to walk with people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And man, there's none of us are perfect. In fact, this next week, a bunch of houses in our city, you will probably get it, are going to get a mailing from our church. And on the front of it, it's going to say, no perfect people allowed. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. But man, we are, we are following Satan's strategy for us when we become an island and when we don't lock arms with other people to move forward in areas of our life. If you're going at it alone, you're basically playing right into the enemy's strategy for you. And what he's done is he's inviting you and me to walk down the path of distraction, compromise, and loss. And so here's the question I have for you, and we're done. So in about a year, we're going to get to December 31st. And maybe, like me, you might have to drink a little extra coffee that evening so that you can make it to midnight. Or maybe you're, you cheat like I do sometimes and say, I'm going to do the East Coast midnight. But, but, but we're, we're gonna get, it's going to get here before we know it. And the clock's going to strike 12, and we're going to move into a new year. And here's my question for myself and my question for you, whether you're online or you're here this morning. Will anything be different? Will anything be different? Will we struggle with the same things? Will we be frustrated in the same areas? Or will we take this year and answer the big questions and then allow those answers to lead us to habits and compromises that maybe we need to start some habits or some, stop some habits? Because this can be the year that things do start to change. But it's up to us. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we thought about habits, we've talked about it for a few weeks. We talked about the big questions that we need to answer. And then we, I, I, we asked this one question. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you in your heart to answer this question. If I stopped and you fill in the blank, it would help me become who I believe God wants me to be. As you answer that question honestly, and if God doesn't lay anything on your heart, don't make anything up. But, I, but I'm guessing for a lot of us, God laid something on our heart pretty clearly. And as we close this morning, I want to close and I want to pray for each of us that are going to move forward in some areas of our life this year. And so as I close, if, if God laid something on your heart that you need to stop doing. Maybe it's something that just started. Maybe it's a habit you've had for a long time, but you know it's stopping you from being what God wants you to be. If you lay something on your heart, would you just lift your hand up? Just lift your hand up. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, hey, yeah, God laid something on my heart, at least one thing that I need to stop doing. You can put your hand down. Lord, I pray many people raise their hand. Lord, there's probably people watching online that they would have raised their hand if they were here. Lord, I pray that you would be at work in our heart. I pray, God, that we, we know that your word tells us that your word has the power to set us free. And I pray, God, that you would help us really understand who we are in you, what our identity is, not what we do, but who we are.
And Lord, I pray that we would be able to also answer that question and really think through, who do we want to be? And then based on that, God, I pray that you would give us the supernatural power that your spirit can give to stop compromising or maybe to start some habits that are healthy. Lord, I pray that you would help us and that we would be honest, that we would surround ourselves with friends that are, man, they're struggling too, but we, we need each other. Lord, help us not to believe the lie that we struggle alone. God, we're asking that you change us from the inside out this year. In Jesus' name, amen.